Welcome to the Subject Composition and Light Photography Podcast. Show notes, links and contact details can be found at robnunphoto.com. That's www.robnunphoto.com. SCL is a proud member of the Tech Podcast Network and loads of other great tech podcasts can be found over at www.techpodcast.com. Now on with the show. Hi everybody, it's Rob from RobNoFoto.com with episode 211 of the Subject Composition and Light Photography Podcast. Merry Christmas to everybody. I'm recording this at 1 o'clock on the 25th of December 2012. Just in that sort of little gap between the turkey coming out of the oven and uh, carving it. So I've probably got about 20 minutes, 25 minutes with which to record a quick podcast and then when I can get back to the festivities downstairs with everybody we're all just kind of having a a quiet half an hour so I thought I'd sneak up and record a podcast on my laptop well hope everybody's got what they wanted for Christmas um what I'm going to talk about today is um some goodies I got from the car boot a couple of weeks ago some thoughts about this year's photos um the latest android photo editing app that just come out and uh, yeah, and what I got for Christmas today as well. So, what did I get recently? Well, I was very lucky. Um, went down the car boot a couple of weeks ago. One of the last ones we got to go to actually, because it's been raining so much here in the UK. In fact, there's loads of flooding everywhere, and it's really sad. Lots of people are having terrible Christmases where they've been flooded out. Um, I went down the car boot and got a couple of things. First thing was I got one of those little. Um, action cams that like looks like a tiny little mag light like an aluminium torch but it's not it's a video camera that you can fix onto like a crash helmet or a motorbike or a BMX for Oliver um, um, the idea behind getting one was to attach it to that quadcopter I got a while ago um, to review um, gave it a go but unfortunately because it's got metal body the, the camera is just slightly too heavy and so the, the copter can just about get off the ground and hover quite low but it couldn't really get much height now it could be because the day we were testing it out me and Oz, um it was very windy and so the copter was struggling to get up anyway um, but I think maybe what I need to do is get one of the slightly different cameras that's just made of plastic because I was looking forward to kind of you know get, getting it up to go up quite high and then sort of flying around Gosport taking taking video footage but anyway I put the bracket onto Oliver's BMX and we did some test shots with him riding around and the video really is quite impressive it's only 640 by 480 on the one I got but it only cost me a tenner from the car boot um, and you can get them from eBay really really cheap um, but it looks like it's going to be a lots of fun and, <laughs> and uh, obviously not the quality of a GoPro but um, the idea is there as well um, but the other thing I got which I was well chuffed with was another flash and I know you're probably thinking <laughs> Rob you know you've got lots of flashes haven't you um, why do you need another one well because this one was a YN, another Yongle one, 565EX. And you're probably thinking, hmm, you know, what, 
uh, what's different about the YN565 well, what's different about it is the fact that this one has actually got TTL um, metering in it when it comes to the flash because all the Yongnuo flashes I've got so far have all been um, um, manual flashes so what you do is you put them on top of the camera or on top of your wireless trigger and you adjust the output of the flash manually you know you say more power less power and so you kind of control the look of the photo normally you're in manual well you're normally you're in manual mode on the camera and you set your shutter speed for your ambient so or you just set it to around about a 200th of a second because that's the maximum sync speed on my 350D and then you use a combination of your aperture and your ISO um, and the power of the flash to light sort of your your main subject and it's a really good way of lighting because it, because you have control over everything every single aspect of the scene um, you know and if you want to see your subject slightly brighter you can move the flash closer or you could increase the power of the flash or you could open up your aperture or you could increase your ISO and vice versa to make it darker but obviously it's not that fast because it's not being done automatically when you're using your pop-up flash excuse me on your SLR or on your compact camera every time you take a photograph what happens is that the, with the flash the flash is firing twice wants to light the scene so it can judge how much light it needs then it fires the main flash again um, with the main flash um, and so it's adjusting the power of the flash automatically um, and in fact on a, an SLR like the 350D the pop-up flash is, is always automatic you can't manually control the flash you can turn the power up and up and down a bit using exposure compensation flash exposure compensation but you can't manually control the flash but the beauty of that the ETTL flash exposure is that you know it's incredibly fast in the old days of flash what you would have to do and if you've got any old flashes you'll know this you'd look on the back of the flash and it would give you a guide so it would say you know if your subject's 10 feet away and you um then you need to be at um, f5.6 to get proper exposure and they'd have these sliders that you could move around depending on where your subject distance but with an ETTL flash that you put on the top of your camera it works just like your pop-up flash in fact it, wor it works out the exposure automatically you, you might say well so what if the pop-up flash does that why do you need a big flash to do that and the reason for that is because your big flash you can bounce it and you can put it in different positions so you can have ETTL metering while you're bouncing the light off the ceiling or off a wall so all of a sudden you know when you're running and gunning say you're chasing a kid around at a kid's party but you don't want that harsh on-camera flash if you've got an ETTL flash like the Yongo <laughs> YN565EX or you know any of the Canons, Nikons, any of the own brand flashes the flash is firing twice when you're you, you'd say say you're in aperture priority mode it's firing twice you don't notice but it's metering the scene and then firing the main flash and this enables you to work very very quickly you're losing that control that you have um, but what you're gaining is speed and so you're in a situation where speed is important say like today when um, we were all opening up the pres presents at half past six this morning you know I didn't really w want to be mucking around with the manual flash because I was changing position all the time um, altering the camera angle and everything like that. all I wanted to do was bounce the flash off the ceiling so that we got a natural looking light rather than the harsh on-camera flash um, and 
because I was using the YN565, it did all the hard work. Very, very simple. And of course, these flashes are normally quite expensive on, on eBay and new. Nowhere near as expensive as a Nikon or a Kony, Kony, Sony or a Canon one. Um, but I was very lucky that the two um, guys who were down there who sell the cheap photography gear were there. And I picked it up for 20 quid. 20 pounds very very impressive now although it does the TTL stuff the TTL so it can work in automatic mode it also does still has have a manual mode so you can run it where you can control the power um, it also it's also got the two traditional slave modes so you've got slave one where it will fire optically when another flash goes off and f uh, slave mode two where it will wait for the pre-flash so if you're using your on-camera flash from your SLR or your compact and you move this the flash off somewhere on a little stand normally what would happen is if you just have a, a simple slave mode when that pre-flash goes off to meter the mode you, you, your slave flash will go off too but with with slave mode 2 it doesn't it waits for that first flash and then fires with the main flash so it's a very simple and I'm pleased to say very reliable way of having a slave flash I mean Oliver got some new um, handlebars and a new seat for his BMX so we just fitted them and he wanted some photos so I was out in the garden um, with another one of my Christmas presents I'll talk about in a minute but we were using the, the 565 in its optical slave mode outside in daylight and it was firing away no problem at all so very very impressed with that as well it can also become a slave as part of Canon's now I don't know much about this but Canon have a wireless system in the newer newer cameras I think it's I don't, I don't know if it's infrared or how it works but it means that you can control the flash remotely so if it's off somewhere you you, you can control it um, and uh, the flash will talk back and, uh, and normally this is on on Canon's higher I think you like your, your, your 580s and things like this, and like your latest 70s and things. Um, so I can't test that because my 350C doesn't do that. And it also has a multi-mode, which is really interesting, which is a strobe mode. Now, don't get it confused with high-speed sync. What it is, is imagine those, those photographs you've probably seen of, of, of a bat flying across a scene, and you see like... I don't know, four pictures of the bat with its wings in different positions as it flies across the scene. And the way that you do that is that you have the camera fixed, the subject's flying across the front of the camera, but the flash is firing multiple times. So the flash is going pop, 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 pop for each exposure. So the you know the, the exposure might be um, a quarter of a second or something like that. And the flash fires like four times to capture it doing that way. Um, and so this camera this flash has that as well so what you do is you can put in the the, the frequencies per second you want the, the, the flash to fire the Hertz and the number of times you want it to fire and then it will strobe like that so you can do uh, interesting effects again I haven't really played around with it um, because it kind of harks back to the days of, of film photography um, but you know I, f I fancy yeah uh, having having a go with that what it doesn't have although it's pretty much a copy of the 580 Mark II, the Canon, it doesn't have high speed sync so you can't sort of set your camera to a thousandth of a second uh, and uh, the flash turns into a really fast firing strobe to do that but it does um, everything else and I think you know for 20 quid um, it was quite a bargain, bargain but the proof will be in how durable they are um, but I know I'm going to have a lot of fun testing it so watch the blog and the YouTube channel for reviews now I know it was a while since the last podcast but one of the things um, 
we set up was a uh, photo assignment where we were going to look at our old photos and post them in the Flickr group. I'm glad to say there's uh, lots of great work being showed and reasons why people enjoy taking and showing these photos um, this year. Um, but I've got to admit, I was probably a little bit apprehensive about it because I didn't really think I'd taken that many great photos in 2012. It's been a bit of a thin year in terms of quantity and quality of shots. You know, I spent a lot of time experimenting with different cameras, playing around with flashes, and generally just not taking as many photos as I'd like to due to sort of work commitments as well. But after I'd spent, you know, a couple of hours going back through the photos I'd taken in 2012, I was really quite pleasantly surprised with the quality of some of the best. So I've created a, a group, a set, sorry, in my Flickr photo stream, and I've added a few more onto that thread in our Flickr group. Um, so, you know, it just goes to show that even if you think maybe I've had a bit of a thin year, um, go back and look through those photos because you might be surprised at what you've done and it gives fires you up ready for the next year as well. I'll do a proper assignment review in the next podcast. Um, but it also highlighted to me how using something like Flickr is really helpful because it gives you this tool of... of uh, this filter, if you like, for your the quality of your photos, because you know you go out, you take a load of photos, then you and you edit some of them, and then the best ones you'll upload to Flickr, won't you? Um, so that gives you an edit an edit straight away where you're self-editing. You're only uploading what you think the ones that you want other people to look at, which is great. And if like me, you might even create a secondary set. So I have like all the stuff I upload to Flickr, and then I have another set which is my best of photos which after I've looked at them for a while I'll add into that set and then a few of those might even get added to a portfolio that I do separately but that's another kind of filter that I add and because they're linear they're in time order it's very easy just to go back through you know one at a time like that one favorite that one add it to this set um, and it kind of gives you an idea of the style you're developing over time um, and it also shows you maybe some holes that you've got as well. Like my, one of my biggest holes is I enjoy taking, for example, black and white photographs with architectural landscapes in, but often they feel a bit empty because they need people in them. So I kind of can see that thing, right? That's what I need to to start doing. Um, and uh, yeah, and I enjoyed it. So I guess what I'm saying is, if you're considering posting some photos in, in the Flickr assignment uh, over on um, the, the Robin Photo Conflicker group, or you're a little bit apprehensive about doing so because maybe you thought you haven't taken that many um, great photos or photos you might want to share in 2012 you know have a look first you may well be surprised I know I was I thought there's no I've probably taken one or two photos that, that were any good but I actually taken you know quite a few that I thought were all right um, so there we go so so have a look at your photos and go for it so a really exciting development if you've got an Android phone um, that happened I'd, I, there wasn't much fanfare about it I was very surprised um, I just sort of I think I read it on a blog some, somewhere was the fact that Snapseed has come out for Android now Snapseed is well on iOS on, on the Apple uh, mobile platform was probably the best photo editing app the most well respected photo editing app um, made by Nick Software you had to pay for it but Google recently bought Nick and Nick are famous for like Silver X Pro, Pro Viveza Color Effects Pro HDR is it FX Pro as well you know these great plugins for Lightroom and Photoshop and I use Silver X Pro, Pro and use the HDR one too 
and then they made Snapseed, and everybody loved it. So Google bought them, and everybody, everybody was like, "Ooh, you know what's going to happen?" But I think, I personally, I think what's going to happen is Google is going to integrate all these great tools into their photo editing software. So the first thing they've done is that Snapseed has been written, you know, rewritten for Android and released, and now it's free on Android and iOS. And quite simply it's blown me away it's got all it ticks all the boxes and it may well even take over from vignette as my photo editing app mobile one of choice because it works on full resolution images and when you save them it saves them at full resolution very important lots of the photo editing apps can do all these fancy things but they save smaller images you know who wants that it can do proper rotations you know straightening of images you can't just go left and right it really you, you know you can straighten lines superb and it's got great cropping it's got a fantastically subtle black and white conversion as well so you can add like colored filters like red green yellow and blue and you can alter things obviously contrast brightness sharpness amazingly it uses their u-point technology to do selective adjustments as well so you can for example in a landscape shot select the sky and then adjust the brightness darkness co uh, contrast in the sky which is brilliant it's also got um, all of Nick's everything that, 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 that Nick's famous for which is uh, they kind of have this sharpening feature I think it's called is it called detail I think let me have a look let me just fire up Snapseed and see what it's called where is it um, it's not clarity. Here we go, Snapseed. Let's see what it says. Here we go. Bear with me. Bear with me. Bear with me. Selective adjust tune image. Here we go. So you can do global adjustments, but then you can do selective um, local um, adjustments as well. Um, and it really it, it's better than sharpening, and you can do sharpening as well. And it, although it can do all these subtle things. <laughs> It also has like fake HDR, you can add textures, you make things grungy, you can add frames, uh, cross-processing, you make it look like old film. Very, very powerful indeed. So just go over and grab a copy of um, Snapseed on the Google Play Store. It's free, um, it's great, and um, yeah, well, I can't really say any more. I'm so excited it's come to Android. Um, but the thing I would say, and it, I've already done a video review of it on YouTube, is... <laughs> Although I've done lots of demo images with um, that have gone over the top, you know, rein it in, rein it in. You can do so much, but often less is more. So here we go. I've got to speed it up now because I can smell everything's almost ready downstairs. So uh, Christmas presents. What did I get today? Um, Suzanne got me this amazing Richard Avedon book called Performance. Um, Richard Avedon. One of the most famous photographers in the world, sadly passed away, um, famous for his fashion photography, um, his work with um, all sorts of like uh, asylum inmates and generally being one of the leading portrait photographers um, you know, of his era, of his generation. An amazingly generous guy in terms of sharing what he knows as well. I mean, if you do a YouTube search for Avedon, you'll find all these interviews. Um, and this is a beautiful volume. It's called Richard Avedon performance and it's got lots of rare work in there stuff from the theater actors actresses models that sort of stuff really nice book so thank you very much she actually got me a bit of a rude one as well i've got the um <laughs> the mammoth book of new erotic photography so um, i'm looking forward to having a look through that um later so that that's good um and 
the, the, the present that I knew I was going to get was a pair of light stands. So now I've got proper light stands for my flashes and my wireless flash system. And the difference between a light stand and a tripod is the light stand is a lot more lightweight and the legs kind of splay out right to the bottom. And they go a lot higher than a tripod and they have this little like stud connector thing on the top that you put your umbrella brackets on. Um, and so they don't like take up all the space of a tripod. So I've got two of them, so I can put my umbrellas on there and do some some really uh, interesting work, and um, without having to try and hack around with my tripods, which I have been doing. Right. So there we go. Um, I hope everybody's had a fantastic Christmas. I have so far. I can smell the turkey and the roast potatoes and the vegetables. They must be coming out of the oven now. So I've got to go down and uh, carve everything up. Thank you very much for everybody for listening to the podcast over the past year I might be able to squeeze another episode in before the new year but if I don't happy new year to everybody thanks everybody for commenting on the blog um, taking part in the Flickr group and um, generally being part of the SEL photography podcast and the RobNonPhoto.com blog as you know my name is Rob from RobNonPhoto.com and hopefully pretty soon I'll see you on Flickr